There's barely a gust of wind blowing down at ground level. The leaves on the trees around me are hardly moving, and my weather app is telling me that officially the wind is only blowing at three metres a second. And yet this enormous turbine is cutting through the air like a scythe. But there is a problem. To get all the power that this turbine is generating onto the national grid, we need lots of storage. Massive arrays of lithium-ion batteries specifically. And the safety record all over the world of these batteries has been worrying. One of the massive Tesla battery packs at the Murrabool site has gone up in flames. Tens of thousands of pounds of lithium batteries continue to burn. Fallout tonight from that volatile fire spewing black smoke all over the North Valley. Yeah, lithium creating a huge problem for fire crews. The pillar of rancid black smoke, flames at ground level, and if you listen, small explosions from the burning lithiums. Lithium is volatile when it's burning and water is applied. We've learned from these mistakes, says the battery energy storage industry, and regulation will ensure that accidents don't happen here. And we are confident that this will be a very safe facility. But now, a battery facility critical to the future of wind power in Ireland has been refused planning permission. Was that because it was unsafe or because of the opposition of the wealthy racehorse breeding industry? A couple of the major world breeding operations or within three kilometres of here. And they will not stand their really valuable stock here. Both sides in this dispute make dire-sounding claims about what will happen. Electricity blackouts and paralysis on emissions targets if we don't build, inevitable fires and intolerable risk to public health if we do. I'm Philip Boucher-Hayes and this is Hot Mess measuring the gap between climate aspirations and climate action. Episode 1. We've got a bit of a wind problem. You may have thought that wind energy was a done deal, that we'd build hundreds of turbines offshore and, hey presto, we could pretty much take the coal and gas out of electricity generation over the next decade. But wind doesn't blow all the time, and in order to make use of it when it does, we need to store it. Massive amounts of it. I think we'll need a number of projects spaced throughout the entire country. Today on the system, much of our batteries last for maybe 30 minutes because they're providing that backup reserve to the grid. Over time, we'll need to extend the duration so that they can provide us with energy for multiple hours, four to eight hours. Instead of fossil fuel generators providing that backup, it needs to come from technologies like battery energy storage. Noel Cunniff is the CEO of the Irish Wind Energy Association. He says that wind power can do a lot to help us decarbonise Irish society, but that without battery power, we would be tying one hand behind our back. If we're serious about climate change and if we're serious about decreasing our CO2 emissions, we will need to make tough choices over the next 10 years across all sectors of our economy, grid infrastructure and ensuring that we have enough renewable electricity to power Ireland will be one of the simpler choices that we need to make. So we need to get behind that as a country. One way of replacing gas and coal with wind and solar energy is with up to 50 or more battery energy storage stations at strategic points around the country. Rows and rows of containers, each filled with thousands of what is essentially the same size of battery that you would find in your mobile phone. 
Um, and these cells are then contained in, in individual modules. Those modules are, are um, housed in, in separate racks. Bobby Smith, Policy Coordinator for Energy Storage Ireland. And those racks are, are basically then, then stored in separate individual containers, um, which forms the battery energy storage system. So from the outside, what would I see? You, you would basically see a number of, of containers. They might look like shipping containers um, that contain the batteries within it. Over the last three years, councils in Kildare, Offaly, Kerry, Tipperary and Longford have granted planning permission to battery energy storage stations. In each case, the chief fire officer of the council was either satisfied with the risk assessment or raised no objections to it. But that changed this summer. Right, so what are you showing me? So, um, we're here. Uh-huh. OK, I, I met you somewhere here. Paul Carson is the man behind a company called Strategic Power. They want to build a battery storage station that would be key to supplying Dublin with wind energy. But in June, Kildare County Council rejected his planning application for a facility at Dunstown near Kilcullen. This is our site, sitting in here. It was raining heavily when we met at the Dunstown site, so we had to sit in his car, hence the strange background noise, as he explained why he felt that his battery station and the maybe 50 others that will be needed around the country are a key part of us taking meaningful climate action. The idea of battery storage is that um, if wind is generating during the night but there's not a great demand, we can take the power into the battery storage facilities so that when people awake the next morning and need the power, the power can then be released again. Um, so it's, it's very much a case that battery storage systems are now a critical part of the electricity infrastructure to ensure that the system is balanced and those services are there to ensure that, that we don't face the blackouts that we're being um, threatened with um, coming up this winter. But in the longer term, is it the case that even if we had built a thousand offshore turbines, that that energy cannot be brought onshore and onto the grid without the stabilisation of battery energy? Absolutely. I I think the the number last year was um, somewhere between 25 and 30 percent of all wind energy that was generated was actually lost because it was generated at the wrong time when people didn't have a demand for it. So instead of losing that uh, renewable energy that was produced, we can take it into storage and use it when it's needed. Something has happened to Paul Carson's proposed battery station at Dunstown that didn't happen at any of the other battery stations to get planning permission in the last three years. Yes, could I please take a look at 21-608? I took a look at the planning file in the council offices in NACE. I was able to find nine other battery station planning applications around the country in the last three years. Between them, there was only a total of five objections. But the objections to the Dunstown planning application were in a different league altogether. And there are 163 objections The vast bulk of objections were from people who would be living within four or five kilometres of the battery station if it's built. They were all very worried about the prospect of the station going on fire. But nearly all of the objections that came in first were from the equine industry. 35 objections in total, like over a fifth of the objections come from uh, either stud farm owners or bodies like 
the Irish Thoroughbred Breeders Association, the Irish Bloodstock Agency, the Irish National Stud, and they're all saying pretty much the same kind of thing, that there would be a reputational damage to their industry if this project was to go ahead. Dunstown is already the location of a major substation. From Airgrid's point of view, it makes sense to locate a battery station beside it. But there's something else that you need to know about this neighbourhood. He reportedly owns more land in London than the Duke of Westminster. And then directly on the opposite side of the road... If you take the road out of Ballymore Eustace and head towards Kilcullen and onto the Curragh, you pass through the area where the battery station would go if it gets permission. You also pass the stud farms of several of the wealthiest horse owners in the world. are over 1,200 acres. Both of them are owned by His Highness the Fourth Aga Khan, a man whose net personal worth is estimated to be $13 billion. That there is New Abbey Stud. I'm not entirely sure who owns that now because Prince Khalid Abdullah died back in January. But whoever it is that has inherited it is going to be a member of the Saudi royal family. Objections to the Dunstown Battery Station were made on behalf of the Aga Khan, John Malone and the late Prince Khalid Abdullah. The latter two did not respond to my invitations for an interview and representatives of the Aga Khan said that His Highness would not be commenting and that the Irish Thoroughbred Breeders Association would be speaking on his behalf. Now, we might be lucky with the weather. Hugh Dillon is a vet who lives next to the proposed site and is the Thoroughbred Breeder Association spokesperson in its campaign against the battery station. The very first thing that he tried to impress upon me was how much money the bloodstock industry brings to County Kildare. Actually, the total economic impact of breeding and racing in Kildare is just under half a billion a year. And there's just about a quarter of a billion in direct expenditure. 54% of that is in breeding. So it just gives you an idea that important industry. And what is your concern then? Is it a reputational one or is it an equine slash public health concern? There are different levels of concern because in the past three years... There have been over 40 major fires in these facilities. Um, So, for example, this one is going to be 212 megawatts in size. going to be an absolutely mega facility. In Beijing, in China, there was a 25 megawatt. It's a tenth of the size that went on fire. These fires are actually quite very, very hard to put out. They can't be put out. They don't need oxygen to burn. They just burn. And in Beijing, it took 245 firemen... 87 fire trucks from 15 fire stations to put this fire out and two firemen were killed. And what kind of a fire service do you have locally? Um, We just have a retained fire service um, which is based in in Nace and there is one in Newbridge and one in Atai. So to try and envisage getting for something of this size which is 10 times the size of the fire in Beijing it would take an unimaginable amount of equipment, men, fire trucks. We just don't have that. We'll return a little later in the programme to teasing out the claims made by the bloodstock industry. It suffices to say right now, though, that those claims had the effect of getting many of those people living next door to the proposed site quite worried. Uh, my name's Aidan Farrell. I'm, I'm a resident of Two Mile House between uh, Nace 
and Kilcullen. And this proposed battery energy storage station is just a couple of fields away from you here? It's a, it's a few fields away. It's probably about a kilometre away from me, across through the fields. Uh, Aidan is a civil engineer. He was one of the co-authors of the local protest campaign's objection. Because of what he felt was the risk of a fire that would force evacuations on anyone living nearby. It's well documented that these occur. All your listeners have to do is Google best facility fires and it'll throw up many fires that have happened even in in, in the last few months. Um, there was one in Chicago where three to 4,000 people had to be evacuated from their homes because of a fi- fire at such a facility. Another recent one in Australia where, where they had a, um, a stay indoors order for people within a a seven-kilometre radius of of the facility. Aidan and the others on the campaign against the battery facility succeeded in getting almost 130 written objections in to Kildare County Council. And in June of this year, Kildare denied the facility planning permission. This was a little inconsistent of the county authorities, because when I was examining their planning files, I noticed that they hadn't always been so worried about fire risk at battery facilities. There were two other planning applications for battery energy storage stations that were, were given permission by Kildare. One in Athibe, 800 metres from the town centre, and another in Kill, which is also a much more built-up area than the Dunstown application. And both of those were given planning permission. It would seem that Kildare County Council has no problem in principle with the idea of battery energy storage stations, or at least they didn't in 2018 and 2019. I asked Kildare County Council could they explain why it appears that they had only recently developed concerns about fire safety at battery storage facilities. They declined my offer of an interview because they said the matter was currently before on board Planola. I also wanted to know, had they been influenced by this threat from the Thoroughbred Breeders Association that stud owners would move their half a billion euro business elsewhere if the battery storage project went ahead at Dunstown. A couple of the major world breeding operations are within three kilometres of here. They have alternative land and studs in different parts of Ireland, but also in England and in France and America. And they will not stand their really valuable stock here in the light of a potential danger of this this to occur. Did Kildare County Council change its stance on battery energy storage because of the concerns of the thoroughbred industry or because there was something different about the Dunstown project from those that they had given approval to before? Or was it because of the reports of fires from around the world? That's unfortunately not a question that I can answer. Officials in the County Council haven't responded to further request for interview or clarification. So coming up after the break, what the battery industry has to say about all of those fires, and are the stud owners' claims about safety more apparent than real? Why does a single battery storage project in one part of Kildare have national significance? 
perhaps because we need so many more of them around the country to make wind and solar energy work, and we no longer have the luxury of taking our time about it. But if protesters and Kildare County Council are right and they are unsafe, well then, what other council is going to allow them? And if the protesters and Kildare County Council are wrong, well then the idea that they are unsafe will be halfway around the world before anyone has a chance to correct it. So it's time, perhaps, to fact-check the claims of either side. The most alarming claim coming from the Thoroughbred Breeders campaign is this. They say that during its lifetime, each and every one of these battery storage facilities will go on fire at least once. DNVGL, which are based in Norway, and are the world's experts in risk analysis of large lithium-ion battery systems state that over the life of an industrial BESS, at least one failure will occur. It is unrealistic to eliminate all chances of failure. So by their expert analysis, there will be a fire at some stage during its lifetime. This claim appeared to have authority. BNVGL is one of the world's leading risk assessment companies. But all the same, you still have to ask yourself, would somebody really build something that they knew was going to go on fire? The claim was made in a report for the protest campaign by an energy consultant. He told me he was unavailable for interview for this programme because he didn't want to influence the planning process. His written report, though, which I have seen, said the claim was made in an online seminar a year ago. I found the recording. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's webinar titled Best Practices for Battery Energy Storage System Safety Around the Globe. What I heard was an engineer say that DNV's approach in trying to prevent incidents was to set themselves the challenge of treating each facility as if it would experience a failure at some point in its lifetime, not that it would go on fire at some point in its lifetime. Expecting a failure to never occur seemed unrealistic, especially over the course of a lifetime of a project, which is why failing safely was a key theme for our collaborative effort. You'll note that what he is saying here is that it is a hypothetical failure that they plan for, not a guaranteed fire at every facility. APS and DMVGL wanted to identify the true challenge with safety associated with lithium-ion battery energy storage systems. As such, we identified that the true challenge was to expect um, at least one failure over the, uh, uh, over the lifetime of a battery energy storage system which is substantially different to what the Thoroughbred Breeders Association say that this world-leading risk assessment firm said. So by their expert analysis, there will be a fire at some stage during its lifetime. Well, a failure is not a fire, is it? That's not the same thing. Yeah, well, there have been over 40 major fires in these facilities in the last three years, and these are facilities far smaller. That claim of 40 fires deserves closer scrutiny too. Over half were from South Korea. It seems that what happened was that the Korean government might have been a bit too generous with the subsidies. So a lot of small-scale systems developed quickly over over a period of time. And there were a handful of fires uh, that got a lot of attention. Um, 
And a, a five or six month investigation uh, determined that it wasn't inherent flaws in the systems themselves, but rather improper installation, improper operation of, of the systems was causing these incidents. And they have, uh, for want of a better word, cleaned up their act since, and safety incidents are, are very rare there now. That's Bobby Smith again from the battery industry organisation ESI. As I've already said, the consultant that the Racehorse Industry commissioned to do a report for them declined to be interviewed. But they did have another report from a very well-credentialed group of physicists in Britain who questioned the safety of lithium-ion battery storage systems. In the case of, of a laptop, it's something to think about, but it's a remote possibility. As you make the thing bigger, it becomes more and more probable. Professor Wade Allison's key point was lithium-ion batteries in phones and laptops fail from time to time. So if you increase the scale of that to scores of shipping containers full of batteries, you increase the likelihood of failure. By the time you get to the kinds of batteries which are now being constructed, you're getting to something which which is going to happen. Why, though, would anybody build something that is almost certainly going to go on fire, if you're right? Because the, the zeitgeist, the time is everybody wants renewables and they want to store the energy. And that's what everybody believes in. Now, they're wrong. Of course, you will ask, what, so what is the answer? Well, the answer is something that people are not prepared to think about. And that is nuclear. And in your opinion it would be the better response to the climate crisis and it would be safer than battery energy storage for us to build a nuclear power plant. Yes. I didn't ask the thoroughbred industry if they would prefer a nuclear power plant at Dunstown to a battery energy storage station because I felt pretty sure that I know what the answer is already. But I did put Wade Allison's point about the probability of fire to Bobby Smith from the battery industry. The systems themselves... Um, they're designed uh, to, to prevent any incident in one battery module or rack or container spreading to other parts of the facility. So they're all effectively spaced out. There's barriers between them. The containers, as I mentioned, are all separated by a physical distance. So if there is an incident in one, it cannot spread to the other. And then lastly, these systems will have, uh, if in the unlikely event that an incident does escalate, these systems have uh, that have fire, fire suppression systems, they have uh, smoke detectors, alarms, etc. And of course, it's important to coordinate with the local fire services. And that's something we're doing as an industry to make sure that the local fire services are informed, that we can address their concerns, that there is incident plans in case anything does happen, so they can be managed appropriately. What Energy Storage Ireland is saying may well be the case. If properly built and maintained, these facilities may have impeccable safety records. But in fairness, that is also exactly what you would expect them to say. Who, if anyone, is independently saying this is safe? If battery energy is central to the delivery of a critically important national policy, which agency of state is going to be able to step up to the plate and tell anyone who is worried, we've studied this and we're satisfied that it's safe? Remarkably, that would appear to be nobody's job. Has AirGrid satisfied itself of the safety and the durability of this technology and that won't endanger the grid? So, so I think, uh, F- Philip, that's not something that, that's, that, that falls within, within AirGrid's remit. 
I spoke to Airgrid, who managed the national electricity grid. So for a, a generator to get a license, they would need to get a license from the Commission for Energy Regulation. Not our job. Our brief is to connect whatever the Commission for Energy Regulation tell us to connect. So I asked the Commission, was it them? They told me we don't have a role in approving or regulating the safety aspect of storage technology. That, they said, would be the job of the HSA, the Health and Safety Authority. But when I contacted the HSA, they said that they had no role in the assessment of planning applications for battery storage. Back to the CRU, who said that they thought that safety monitoring might also fall under the remit of the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. But when I contacted the EPA, they said, we don't set standards for their construction or operation. Now, I could continue this textbook illustration of interagency book passing, but I think you get the point. At the end of the day, it comes down to the fire officer in each county council to make a decision on whether to grant a fire certificate or not. County-level fire officers are not equipped with the resources or the personnel to conduct their own independent review of the mass of internationally accumulated data on battery safety. But it is on their shoulders that the smooth transition to 70% of energy coming from renewables now rests. If we use battery energy storage to its full potential, the industry says that there is an annual saving of 2 million tonnes of carbon to be made from unburnt coal or gas. With electricity supply being squeezed hard over the coming years, the national grid needs the stability that batteries could provide to avoid blackouts. But not, obviously, if they're unsafe. Curiously, given our track record with planning and major infrastructure, we don't seem to have planned on the possibility of people not wanting these facilities in their backyards. Even though this infrastructure is of the most crucial importance, it is nobody's job to conduct an international review, set standards, regulate construction, monitor operations, and tell the public why this is safe and in our national interests. And that's why we could yet find ourselves in another hot mess. Hot Mess, an RTE original podcast, was written, produced and presented by me, Philip Boucher-Hayes. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from RTE on this topic, please rate and review this one wherever you have downloaded it. And thanks for listening.